Well, praise the Lord, saints of God, praise the Lord. Hello, this is Pastor Mark A. Stroud, and I thank you for joining me for Kingdom Rock Radio. Well, on today's broadcast, I've got a very special treat for you. Today, my wife, Pastor Sumiko Stroud, is going to bring forth the message entitled, Who is Jesus to You? This is a very timely message. And if there was ever a time in history for men to know who Jesus is, that time is right now. So make sure you tell a friend about it, and I know they will be equally as blessed. All right, without any further ado, here comes Pastor Sumiko Stroud in this message entitled, Who is Jesus to You? Right here on Kingdom Rock Radio. All right, we're going to be coming this morning. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Bow your heads with me. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to come together in this house today and to learn of your word. And Lord, we just ask that you would open uh, the eyes of our understanding, that you would open your scripture uh, before us, that we would receive life from your word today. We thank you and we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Now, while I get my things on the board, you go ahead and turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 8. Yes, Mark chapter 8. Okay, everybody ready? Okay, here we go. Mark chapter 8, verse 27 says, And Jesus went out with his and Jesus went out and his disciples into the towns of Caesarea Philippi. And by the way, he asked his disciples, saying unto them, Whom do men say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist, but some say Elias, and others one of the prophets. And he said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Peter answered and said unto him, Thou art the Christ. Now we see here Jesus having a little conversation with his disciples, with his followers, and he asked them two very important questions. The first one, Who do men say that I am? Or who do other people say that I am? Now, why is that even important to find out? He wants to know sort of like what's the buzz? What's going on? What have you heard? Uh, What are people saying about me? And that's important to know what people are saying about the Lord. Um, And then and then their response is, well, some say John the Baptist. Now, at the time of this particular conversation, John the Baptist is dead. I know some of y'all were like, what? But yeah. John the Baptist has been killed at this point. So some are saying that Jesus was, you know, this is John the Baptist, you know, acting through him. And some, as I said, say that he was Elias or Elijah or some of the other Old Testament prophets that he was coming uh, to proclaim, you know, things to come. Now, if Jesus were to ask us that question today, I'm afraid some of our answers wouldn't be quite so generous. Because when you ask people today, well, who is Jesus? A lot of times people say, well, some people will say, well, he's just a myth. He didn't even exist. Bible just made him up. Bible is a myth, just a good storybook, just something to read. Some people would say, well, he was a good man. He had some good ideas, um, good moral character, some good principles to live by. And some would say that um, he is one of many uh, sort of tales of resurrection gods or whatever uh, that exist. They wouldn't even give him the courtesy of saying that he was a prophet of old, just someone who lived and may have been a good teacher or what have you. But not many or not all will say that he was the son of God. 
they will, are willing to admit to him, to his human part, but not to the deity of him. And you remember we've talked, let's see, here I go, flashback to Sunday school. Some of you don't remember that we discussed that because you weren't there. But we talked about um, in Sunday school how Jesus was both fully human and fully divine. And he had to be both, uh, else the work on the cross would have been incomplete. Had he not been fully divine, he would not have had the authority uh, to come and his death would not have reconciled us to God. He would have just been just another man that died, that believed in what he believed in and died for his belief. So he needed to have been fully divine. If he had not been fully human, then he would not have, his death, would, his life would not have shown us that we could in fact live that kind of life uh, in a way that was pleasing to God. So you see, both were necessary. And we have to acknowledge, as Christians, we acknowledge both. And so he's asking, who do men say that I am? What are people around you? What are you hearing about me? And then he goes on and they answer that question. And then he brings it home, which is, you know, the title of our, our sermon today is, who is Jesus to you? Because then he asks him, okay, I know what other people are saying, but who do you think that I am? What, who am I to you? You've been following me. You have been listening to my teaching. You have seen the miracles and the signs and wonders that have been following. And, and you think this question would be easy to answer, but you don't hear all of them jumping in, right? You hear one person, Peter, that says that you are the Christ. Let's find it. It's in um, verse 30. He said, and Peter answered and says to him, thou art the Christ. And Jesus, you know, responds to them in, in another gospel. He says that you know, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you. But this is, has been um, a, a heavenly or spiritual revelation to know that he was the Christ. But it was important for him to find out for them, not because he didn't know who he was. How many of you know that Jesus knew who he was? We can read through the other portions of the New Testament and he tells them who he is and why he came. But it was important for him to ask the question so that they would think. And that's why I'm asking the question of you today so that you will think, who is Jesus to you? Now, to some of us, even people that are, have been raised in church, Jesus is, you know, like the little baby said on the screen, the little baby in the manger, the baby Jesus. To some of us, he's still the baby Jesus. And we think about him once a year during Christmas when we're putting on Christmas plays or going to see Christmas plays or making up our Christmas list. We think of him as the little baby in the manger. He's not still there. His life was so much more than that. <clears throat> Some people, when they think of Jesus, they think of that picture, you know, the painting that everybody has. And I don't know who that man is, but I am telling you, he is just famous, right? He is just hanging up on everybody's walls. And some people are so reverent of that photo, right? That they'll say, don't do that. Jesus is watching. Like, Okay, <laughs> let's go in the other room then. And that's the way it's sort of portrayed. We'll go in the other room where the picture is not hanging because then Jesus is not watching. Does that make any sense? But so, so for some people, when they hear, who is Jesus to you? He's that man on that picture on the wall. 
to some people, he is the image on the cross. And he was, you see the, the picture of the man on the cross with the crown of thorns, and that's who Jesus is to them. He was somebody that lived long ago. He died a horrible death uh, for my sins, and we talk about his resurrection at Easter. And that's all I know. That's who Jesus is. To some of us, he is what we've heard other people say. You had some, you know somebody that was sick and they prayed and they said God healed them. Well, they'll say, well, Jesus is a healer. You know, there was a song we used to sing that he's a healer, healed my body and my soul. And that song plays in my head from time to time. And so you'll think, well, Jesus is a healer. And to some of us, you think, well, he's my savior. But we don't go past those words uh, to know in our hearts. It's okay to know something in your head, you know, but I'd like to know it in my heart. That way, if something goes on, if somebody comes that's a little bit smarter than me, I heard there's a few people out there that's a little smarter than me. If somebody comes with more eloquent of speech and they can put together some words in a sentence and they can you know, give you some facts and figures because that can be misleading, right? Because I could stand up in here and I could tell you all that um, 100% of the people in this room think that I am amazing. And y'all be like, what? Did nobody ask me? You know, and I'm thinking, and that's the survey that I got. Of course, the only person that I asked was me, but I'm 100% of the people asked, right? And so we have to think about facts and figures, you know, can be skewed. And so when somebody starts and brings you, you know, some information, and if all you have is an understanding in your head, then you may be able to be convinced otherwise. But when you have gotten that understanding past your head knowledge and it's in you. Now, I know that Elder Ware is my mother. Somebody can come in here with some DNA records or whatever, and they could try to convince me that. No. And, you know, and, and, and she may even try to because she was asleep when I was born. So what does she know? Right. <laughs> And so somebody could come in and try to convince her and say, well, there was in fact another lady who was there giving birth at the same time and your kids were switched. But the fact of the matter is I know past my head that I am her child. Why is that? Because I've had experiences and frankly, I'm too much like her. Right. Whether that is good or bad, that is what it is, right? I am too much like her to deny that she is in fact my mother because I've had that connection, I've had that experience. It's not just because I saw it on some paper, not because I've seen my birth certificate, so not that I've just seen it, but because I've had some experience. I've lived a life with her knowing that, you know, when I see her do things, when nobody else is watching, I'm thinking, dog, I do that same thing. I really got to stop that. I got to stop that. So when we have had an experience with Jesus, when we are asked that question, who is Jesus to you? Then we can truly, it is my hope and my prayer that we would be able to, like Peter, say, you are the Christ. Because what does that mean? That means you are the Messiah. You're the anointed one. You're the Savior. You're the one. You're the appointed king that was sent so that we could be reconciled to God. It is very important. I need Jesus to be more than just a good man. There are lots of good men and women in the world. 
And the, the things that they do are beneficial to people around them. They can help me in this life, but they can't save my soul. I need Jesus to be more than just a good teacher. There are lots of good teachers in this world who can share information with me, but I need someone who when they teach me, they can give me life and their words can in fact change my life, change my existence, not just in this world, but in the world to come. I need him to be more than that. I need him to be the son of God. Right. In order for all that he has, otherwise our lives are in vain. What we do here is in vain if he is in fact not who he said he was. And so if that would be the case, wouldn't you want to find that out now before you spend a life living in a way and then like, well, you know, that was all for naught. No, I'd rather know that now. So I need to have an experience with him now so that I know it's more than just what somebody else has told me. I need to know for me because we all stand on our own. We all have to account for ourselves and we each of us need to know. I can't even count the number of times that we've said in this ministry, it's important for you to have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And I think we've probably said it so much that it becomes like white noise. You know what white noise is? You know, when you just, it's just hard, you've heard it so much that you don't even pay any attention anymore. It's just something said in the atmosphere. Well, what I'm hoping today is that that statement will become more than just white noise to you today. That, you know, in the future, that when you leave from here, uh, you will be stirred in your heart so that you will ask yourself that question or picture Jesus asking you that question. Well, who do you say that I am? And that you can come up with an answer that means something that resonates to you so that if somebody else, because we're going to be in situations where somebody, have you, has, have any of you ever had somebody tell you that Jesus was in fact not the son of God? I have. And do you really want to just be standing there going, well, they said he was at church. <laughs> I mean, you need, you need something more than that. <laughs> something more than Pastor Stroud or Pastor Samiko said he was. Yes. You need to have had some kind of experience. And so he asked them, who do you say that I am? Now, we can flip over to uh, Matthew, Matthew chapter 11. And we'll see another, uh, another reason why it's important for us to know for ourselves. Because back before John the Baptist was killed, remember, he baptized Jesus. And that's in Matthew chapter 3. And when he did... He, he recognized Jesus as who he was when he saw him. And he says, I'm unworthy. You should be baptizing me. I, I'm, I'm not worthy, not even worthy to unlatch your shoes. And so at that point, John knew he'd been heralding, here come, you know, the Messiah is coming, the Messiah is coming. He, in fact, had had an experience with Jesus even before he was born. Because when his mother was pregnant with him and Mary came pregnant with Jesus, it said that Elizabeth's baby leapt in her womb. Even then... John had experienced the power and the, and the majesty of Jesus Christ. And so when he came to him to be baptized, John knew of a certainty who he was. 
And then after he was baptized and, and it, you know, the, the heavens open, it says, this is my beloved son, you know, and whom I'm well pleased, hear him. And so now John of a certainty again knows. But how many of you know that even when we have those miraculous experiences with God, there will come dark times in our lives. And that happened even with John who had given his life to preaching, prepare the way for the Messiah. John was imprisoned for doing what he was called to do. That sort of makes you wonder though, because we all are like, if you do what God says, you're going to live a rich and abundant life. Ooh, maybe not. And that's a question we have to ask ourselves is if the life that I live is not that kind of abundant life. Now it will be abundant in that we are, I mean, what better life can you have but to live the purpose for which you were created? To die doing what you were called to do. And that may not mean having a lot of things, you know, or having a lot of recognition from people in this life. And we have to be okay with that, right? If we say that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, what does Lord mean? Somebody's serving if somebody's Lord, right? And that means as a servant, I live and serve at his pleasure. I get no more joy than when I'm doing what he's called me to do. Well, what happens when what he called me to do doesn't add up or doesn't sync with what I want to do? Are we still going to be so happy and proud to say he's my Lord and Savior? Or will we start trying to find a way out of, well, he didn't mean that. You know, when we read those scriptures where it says, you know, you have to love me more than you love anybody else, that all of your other relationships should seem like hate in comparison to how much you love me, then you think, well, he didn't mean that. Well, what if he did mean that? Because I can't be the best wife and mom that I need to be unless I am the best child of God that I need to be. So when I don't put him first... Everything else is lacking. I'm not bringing, I want to bring my A game. And I can't bring my A game unless I am in fellowship and communion with God. Right? And so we have to remember those things. But back to John. He's in prison, about to lose his head. And he has a moment of darkness. I've had those where things are not working out because you, I mean... I've I've given my whole life to proclaiming he's coming and he's here and I'm in prison. Am I sure he was the one? (laughs) Maybe we need to rethink these things. And that's the question that John asked in chapter 11. um, He sends his disciples, John chapter 11, verse one. And when, and it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed then. So Jesus has gone about doing his thing and teaching. Now, when John heard it in prison, he hears about Jesus doing what he knew that Jesus was coming to do. Uh, the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto them, are ye he that should come or do we look for another? And so John has a moment where he's wondering, are you the one? Even after all that I've experienced, he's given his life to proclaiming that Jesus was coming and what he was going to do. 
And even in that, he has a moment where he has to get verification. Sometimes you just need a little confirmation, right? Are you in fact the one? And it's good that he had people around him who were willing to go to God to get that confirmation. And that's why it's another reason so important that we are part of a body of Christ so that when I get down and, and, and feel like I'm in prison, I'm in a dark place, he couldn't physically leave and go and find Jesus and ask him. Now, we may not be physically in prison, but sometimes we can be so discouraged, so down in such a dark place that we can't pray on our own. And we have to have a brother or a sister that we can say, look, can you, can you pray? Can you find him and ask him, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Is he the one? I've been in a situation like that where I w- it was, things were just so dark that I thought, I can't, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't even pray. I'm, I'm not saying that you're not there, but I just, and I don't mean to be irreverent but I just can't talk to you right now. I just can't. I needed somebody to go to him on my behalf. When my father was in the hospital, I was very certain that God was going to heal him. Why was I certain? Because I knew the scriptures and I knew how to pray the scriptures. And I spent day after day after day in that hospital chapel praying. I had my whole, you know, the lawyer in me came out. I will not lie. And I had my petition ready. And I had my correspondent in here. This is where this man prayed that you add 15 more years to his life. And my father has done so much more for people than this man. If you did it for him, you can do it for my dad. And, and I had, you know, the healing scriptures and all that. And I just went and I had my, and I pleaded my case. I prayed like I had never prayed before. And you know what? My dad still died. And after that, I thought, you know what? (laughs) I will not deny you, Lord. I will not deny that you still can heal. But I can't talk to you right now. I can't work this out. I can't deal with this because I don't understand. Are you the one? Did I do something wrong? What, What was the problem here? Why wouldn't you do this for me? I ask you, as your word says, I came, you know how everybody, you come, you go boldly. I went boldly. You go humbly. I went humbly. You you lie prostrate across the floor. I tried that. I did it all. And it didn't work. And in that dark place, I felt like, John, well, what? I need some confirmation. I couldn't go to him and get it. Because I was not in a place to hear, not that I wasn't in a place to hear from him, I just wasn't in a place to talk to him. And was I still saved? Yeah, I was. Would I still have told somebody uh, about Jesus and led them into prayer? Yes, I would. But in that dark place, I needed some help. And God is faithful. Because I was sitting, two occurrences happened after that. One, we were um, at the, my father's memorial service. We were at the, at the afterwards part. And one person came up to me and, and uh, she was sharing with me how her mom, you know, had suffered sickness for a very long time. And, uh, you know, she had prayed that her mom would be healed and she wasn't. And her mom died and she was angry 
with God. And she was a doctor, so I can't imagine. Now here I am, I'm doing all of the lawyerly approaching, but she's somebody that knows, has been trained how to fix the body, and she could do nothing for her mother. And she said she was angry with God. And she prayed, and God spoke to her and said, you know, she's my child too. And I was tired of seeing her hurt. And I thought, well, and, and for her, that's what she needed. And I'm thinking, well, what more can you say? Her mother was ready to go. The Lord was ready to receive her. He, was, he didn't want to continue to look upon his child's suffering. And I thought, well, how selfish can we be, right? And so that, that helped me some, but I was still kind of, still, Lord, that just wasn't right. Because you could have healed my father. Amen. Because when the doctors told us all of the things that were wrong in his body and how sick he should have been, we were like, um, you must have the wrong file. Because until he, you know, got pneumonia and came, he was fine. And even you all sent him home for a few days. So something must be wrong. And then it was, um, I guess, I don't know, months, few weeks, months, it all sort of ran together. 2005 was a horrible year. Um, so it all kind of run together, but we had to attend. We had a, a volunteer, a set of some of our volunteers, whose son was killed in a, a car accident on his way home from work. And he had two young children, teenagers, a teenager, preteen, and they had the funeral service. And you, some of, we had to go. Somebody had to go. And so that fell on um, myself and Pastor Stroud, because Elderware was like, I'm sorry, I can't, I'm not, I can't go. It was just too soon. So we went, and I sat in that church, and I looked over at those kids, and I thought, oh, dear Lord, they have to grow up without their father. And there was some song playing. I can't even remember what it was now, but I felt the presence of the Lord just so heavy in that place as I was reminded of the times that I had had with my own father. All of the many times that he came so close to death, even before I was born, he had scars where he almost died before I was born. He had had a series of heart attacks when I was in junior high, uh, one of which he was at the hospital. I'm pretty sure that's the reason why he was able to be saved. And I was reminded, and that prayer came back to me, Lord, add, why wouldn't you add those 15 years to my father's life? And he is such an amazing God, as I remembered how he, in fact, had so many more than the 15 years that he was able to be a part of my life and watch me grow, watch me go off to college, that he was able to be there when I got married. Of course, at the door, he did say, you can change your mind and we don't have to do this thing. But he was able to walk me down the aisle. He was there for the birth of both of my kids. And he was able to be there for me, for my brother, for my sister, through so many things when physically he should not have been. When health-wise, he should not have been able to participate in our lives to the extent that he was. But he did. God did that for us. And I was able to have those memories of being in church over there and look back during the altar call and see my father at the back of the room with his hands raised in prayer. 
So not only did, was he therefore part of our lives physically, but he was able to overcome some things that he had with church and with ministry and with pastors and receive Jesus as his Lord and Savior. He was able to answer that question that Jesus, you are the Messiah, the anointed one. So not only did I get all of that time here with him, but I get to be with him again. And had he died those first few times that he was so close, we wouldn't have had that testimony. And sitting there in that church, I thought, you know, Lord, like John's disciples, when he sent them forth to ask Jesus and they went and Jesus told them, he said, you go back and tell John the things that you've heard and that you've seen, that the blind see the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have had the gospel preached to them. You go back and tell him, share that testimony with him. Not that you've heard or that, because Jesus could have very easily told him, yeah, go back and tell him I'm the one. But we need more than those words, don't we? He said, you go back and tell him what you've seen. And I am so grateful as I sat in that church, the Lord reminded me what I had seen. That I had seen my father healed, that I had seen the, you know, the blind see, not just the physically blind, but the spiritually blind, that I had seen that. So yeah, he is the anointed one. He is the Messiah. That is why those two questions were so important because if you haven't had that experience yet, you will have. Well, you will be like John sitting in a dark place, not able to get to Jesus on your own, but you will need some confirmation. Are you in fact the one or do I need to look for another? If you are not the one, let me know. I can't waste my life serving you if it gets me nowhere. But if you are the one, instill that in my heart. I need some confirmation and I will go on. I will endure. Like John, I will go on and I will still tell people that yes, God can heal. And what if he doesn't? I'll still serve him. I'll still proclaim his glory and majesty from the rooftops. I will still say that I would do nothing else with my life. I would not dare serve anyone else but him because he is my Lord. I live and serve at his pleasure. He is my savior. He has saved me. He is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. So I want you to ask yourself that question. Not just today where it's fresh on your mind, but each and every day as we go through life's challenges, when we don't get the job that we wanted to get, or when we are still sick, even though we've prayed to be healed, or when our, ch- our children make decisions that we don't want them to make, when we have to let them go and step back as, as they go out into a non-Christian hateful society that's going to be doing everything it can to persuade them to fall away from Christ, that we'll have to step back and let them go. When our marriages hit a little bump in the road and things don't go as smoothly as we thought and we think, I thought I had it all together. I thought I knew how to do this thing. When we come to those dark places, make sure that you have somebody around you 
that when you can't get to Jesus, you can look to them and say, will you go ask him if he's the one? I need to know. I'm struggling here. It's dark. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm in bondage. I'm suffocating. Will you seek him for me? Will you find out? And they can come back to you because they've had an experience. See, what if those disciples had not seen, but they had seen, they had witnessed the power of God for themselves. And they were able to come back to John and tell him not just what they'd heard. We have to get past just what we've heard. And it has to be what we've seen, what I know in fact to be true. I don't care what your paperwork says. I don't care what your numbers say. I don't care how many degrees you have and what you were telling me. I know what I've seen. I know what I've felt. I know what I've experienced. He's the Messiah. He's the anointed one. Praise the Lord. He is our Lord and Savior. He is fully divine. He is, he was fully human. He needed to be both. He needed to make that sacrifice so that it would count for me. And he was willing to. So if this life sometimes has to be a little uncomfortable for me, so aren't I supposed to be living it for him? Didn't he live it and die for me? so that I could live it for him because I love him. He loves me. He is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. Who is Jesus to you? I know who he is to me. I've shared with you a little bit of who he is to me, but that has no bearing on who he is to you. You can't make it on my testimony. Only so far can you get None of us would even think of filling up our neighbor's car with gas, thinking that our car was going to get us any further. doesn't work that way, does it? No. i got to have something for me. And that, that is for all of us, from the youngest of us to the oldest of us. We have to have seen and heard for ourselves. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Bow your heads with me. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Let's pray. Father, we just pray in this place today that if there is, if there is anyone in this service today that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, Father, if there is anyone that needs to be reconciled to you, that needs to acknowledge you, Lord, right now we just pray for them that they, that their hearts would be pricked. Lord, that they would come to know you. And if you do need someone to lead you into prayer of salvation. There are no special words. It doesn't have to be done by any special person. We just acknowledge that we are sinners in need of saving. Each and every one of us needed to be saved. There were none of us. It doesn't matter how good a life we lived. It was a spiritual matter. We all needed to be reconciled to God. The work of the, cro- of the cross did that for us. We can stand and walk in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We just have to admit that we are sinners in need of saving. We have to believe that the cross was that bridge and is that bridge that connects us back to our, our creator. And we have to confess him as our Lord and as our savior. 
We can, each of us, you can do that in your heart. You can do that in this church. You can do that at this altar. You can do that in your homes, in your cars, wherever, as long as you do it. And Father, we just pray that you would help us to answer the question, who is Jesus to us? To me, you are Lord, you are Savior. You are the anointed one, you are my Messiah. And I am so grateful for you. Father, we thank you for this word that you have given us today. Help us, Lord, to hide it in our hearts, to keep it with us, that we won't leave it in this place, that we will take it with us. Help us serve you always. Lord, remember the blinded eyes that have been opened, the sick that have been healed, the lame that have walked, the lepers. We pray that you are richly blessed by today's message. We would love to connect with you. Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org. You can become our friend on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel and a whole lot more. Right there at kingdomrock.org. We would love to hear from you. And if you're in the Bremen area, please stop by and join us every Sunday morning. Sunday school is at 9 a.m. and Sunday morning is at 10. Wednesday night, we have what's called Hour of Power. It starts at 6.30 p.m. All are invited. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Give us a call at 770-537-1933. We would love to hear from you. And if you have a prayer request, by all means, please log on to our website at kingdomrock.org and click on the prayer page. Until tomorrow, remember that Jesus is Lord. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.